what is the best thing to offer in an Airbnb to make it stand out among the rest in this competitive space? And I feel like I already know the answer, but I'm gonna let you say it anyway. Welcome to the Real Estate in Michigan Audio Experience Podcast with your host and local real estate professional, Andrew McManaman. What's going on, everyone? Andrew McManaman here with Living in Michigan, and I brought on a good buddy of mine who is an Airbnb manager, and we're gonna go over a bunch of questions that you guys asked on the YouTube channel. So I'm gonna break those down. I have my buddy, Will Mossett here. Thanks for coming on, buddy. Yeah, thanks for having me. It's an honor to be here. Yeah, so I guess just before I jump into these questions, tell me about what you do and, yeah, just the whole broad spectrum of what you do. Yeah, so we've been doing vacation rentals for the last five years. Uh, we started out as basically our family vacation home, and it kind of snowballed into something a lot bigger, which has been a super cool experience. Uh, currently, our company, Mikasa Stays, we manage about a dozen rentals for third-party owners, and then we also own an additional eight properties. Um, we do this full-time, you know, we've got cleaning crews, uh, full-time employee, full-time maintenance people, and we specialize in vacation rentals. So I think that, that kind of goes into a good question too, is a lot of people are looking at your story like, I can, I can do that, this can happen, but it didn't happen overnight, did it? No, I mean, there's no such thing as an overnight success. <laughs> Anybody who tells you that is like a straight liar. Mm -hmm. I mean, you don't see like the countless hours. You don't see like me up at like 9 p.m. fixing a toilet, running air conditioning units over at like 3 p.m. because it's 110 degrees out. Yeah. Like nobody sees all the failures that you have to go through. So like the most important thing is just to keep going no matter what. And that sounds super cliche, but that's like the, the truth. You know that. Right. And I, I just feel like Airbnb is one of those things that the gurus teach out there where it's like, it's passive, you don't got to do squat for it. So it's, it's good to hear from somebody who's in it that actually it's, it's not so much, not so much that. Real estate is not passive income. <laughs> <laughs> it's not. I mean, let's just put it how it is, right? <laughs> so, so jumping into these first questions here. So someone, someone was asking from out of state kind of a little bit about the Michigan market for Airbnb. So they, they asked, where's the best spot to buy an Airbnb in Michigan? And of course, you can kind of touch a little bit on that. So what's what's your thought process on that broad spectrum there? Yeah, that's a great question. Um, Michigan is an amazing place. We have so many cool things to do. You've got lakes, snowmobiles, deer hunting. Um, you know, you've got these little inland lakes that are in the middle of nowhere. Where I think that that question is kind of worded incorrectly, there's not a best place to invest in Michigan. I think number one priority is where do you kind of want your investment property to be? Remember, there's perks of owning an Airbnb. You get to go visit it, you know, make it fun for yourself because if you're having fun, it's going to be a lot more profitable to you in the long run because you're enjoying it. Right. To build on that, now when you are looking for a vacation rental, you want to find things that are, you know, near amenities that people desire. So for example, in the summer, lakes, obviously in Michigan. However, you don't need to be near a lake for you to have a successful vacation rental. You know, they could be on some land, a big family cottage that people are just looking to get away and have a family retreat. That's a great location. In the winter, you've got deer hunting, snowmobiling, things along those natures. You don't need to be in the middle of Charlevoix or downtown um, Traverse City. Mm -hmm. You know, go look at a place that is maybe a little bit less expensive, less regulated, that people still want to go visit. Yeah, it's funny that you talk about that because when I saw this question, I was like, okay, everyone everyone from out of state is probably thinking it's got to be on a lake, but what I tell them is it could be a dumpster 
and you could just offer the experience. Would you agree with that to a certain extent? Yeah, Airbnb is moving more towards experience-based. Um, I think one thing to keep in mind is people like to stay in a home that is either unique or nicer than their home. So like a log cabin or a beautiful modern you know, house. Just keep that in mind too. Like you don't want to have you know a property that uh, it's got the shag carpets on the walls. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. I think that's, that's where we're gonna draw the line. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> So the next question here is, what is the best thing to offer in an Airbnb to make it stand out among the rest in this competitive space? And I feel like I already know the answer, but I'm going to let you say it anyway. Oh, what do you think I'm going to say? I feel like you're going to say hot tub. Yeah, hot tub. Like, <laughs> you know me so well. I, I just feel like you have like this lump sum of hot tubs that you throw in every single one of the houses. But yeah, just just touch on why hot tub, why, why that experience? Yeah, so we are Costco's number one customer for ordering hot tubs. <laughs> <laughs> no, I'm joking. <laughs> but, we, you know, we have a dozen hot tubs that we manage and take care of on a daily basis. Um, hot tubs are amazing because they attract people in the summer. They attract people in the winter. Year-round in Michigan, you can be in a hot tub. Um, so that's a huge amenity. I think a lot of things that people don't think about are arcade games on the inside, um, you know, cool themes. For example, our newest vacation rental is going to be music themed. We've got like this cool Bluetooth jukebox, all these neon signs that are kind of music related. Um, you know, what cool themes could you do? Amenities, you know, kayaks, paddle boards, um, you know, things of that nature. And I, I just feel like that's such a cool thing. Like when you were talking about earlier about like getting a spot that you like and actually see yourself going to, like this is this is like one of the things for like people who might have a job that's nine to five who are investing in Airbnbs where they can actually be creative and like explore their passion with like making this house like I'm a Harry Potter nerd or whatever and just making this whole thing straight full blown Harry Potter or Star Wars and like people will rent it because they there's nothing like it. It's unique. So that's that's an awesome thing. Yeah. I mean our taglines let your second home pay for itself. I think you should really buy something that you're going to enjoy yourself. So with Michigan in mind, if we're talking Michigan, mm -hmm. do you think that Michigan seasons truly affect the occupancy rate, like winter slowness? I mean, what, what's your thoughts on that? Yeah, uh, Michigan, I mean, with our homes, you know, we'll see upwards of 90 plus percent in the summer times of occupancy, right? So, you know, we might only have one day open an entire month, and that's just because of weird booking times. Um, in the winter, you know, we see a lot of weekend getaways, people who are coming from Detroit to get away. You know, they want a little relaxing weekend with their significant other. Mm -hmm. um, I think that's something to be aware of, but you can also do things to decrease that, like adding a hot tub. Yeah, right. right. <laughs> and, and I mean, I've seen a lot of people too, because there's, there's an Airbnb a couple houses down from me. Mm -hmm. And occasionally I, I've talked to them, like if I'm doing something on the ice on the lake and they just come down and... One person actually came down and was like, hey, what are you doing? And I was clearing off the ice. And I was like, I'm making an ice rink. He's like, oh, that's kind of weird. And I was like, where are you from? He's like, Florida. And I was like, all right. <laughs> but yeah, it, it just seems like people are coming up like, I just want to experience the winter. And I just thought that was kind of cool. So I've never heard of that. Usually people in Florida are like, yeah, I don't want to go to Florida. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, there's just those the, the off breeds that are just, yeah. yeah. The only ice I've seen is the ice from my refrigerator. Right. <laughs> So this question gets a little bit more in depth with it inside of, okay, I got this, this Airbnb, or maybe I'm managing it for somebody else. Like what services or softwares would you recommend people to look into for not only finding, or maybe even like finding a deal for purchasing the property, but along with seeing how much you should price the home at, like a, as a monthly rate or a nightly rate, as well as like keeping organized. 
this Airbnb. I, I know that's there's a ton of questions within that. So no, that's a really great question because software runs Airbnb. Okay, so number I'm gonna do a couple different. I'll break it down into like a couple different parts. Something. So like part one, calendar management. One thing that I think a lot of people don't consider is when you're on Airbnb, VRBO, and now even like Google Vacation Rentals is a thing, right? Um, how do you manage all these calendars to ensure you're not double booking people? Now, your answer to that is going to be a software called Hospitable. It's extremely cost effective. And what it does is it's going to basically take all those listings and merge it into one. And it'll then block off your calendars so that way you're not double booking people. The other benefit to that is you can respond to Airbnb messages, VRBO messages. You can email people all through this app. So all of your, your messages are in one singular, one singular app which is great. Um, well, the next one you asked about was pricing, is that correct? Yeah, just seeing how much you should price it to stay competitive. Okay, that's a great question as well because you don't wanna come in and be underpriced and you might not be able to pay for your home. Right. Um, so for pricing itself, I would recommend a software called Price Labs. Now this is roughly around $30 a month and what this is gonna do is it's gonna monitor all the listings in your area and keep track of their calendars. So for example, like in our area, July 4th, super popular. Mm. These dates get blocked out very far in advance. So it's gonna see like, hey, there's a lot of demand for July 4th, we should increase our prices. This software is gonna do that automatically for you to make sure that you're competitively priced for all of your dates. And does it do that for all platforms like VRBO, Airbnb, and Google Vacation Rentals? Like it puts them all onto that as listings? Mm -hmm. Okay, cool. So it'll automatically populate all of your prices, which is amazing. Uh, it's another thing that you can automate. And then one software I would recommend for before you even buy the home. It's called AirDNA, and that's like A-I-R-D-N-A. Um, this software, you can basically search an address and plug in how many bedrooms, how many bathrooms, how many guests, and it'll give you a rough estimate of how much income you could expect to earn as a full-time vacation rental. And for someone who uses that service, like how far off do you think those estimates are? Do you think they're pretty far off or do you think they're pretty spot on from what, you th from what you've seen? I know that's a, it's a very broad question, but... No, um, you're, you're completely, I think it's a great question because just keep in mind when you're using a software like that, it's all data-driven. Right. So if you're in downtown Charlevoix, they're going to have tons of data points, and it's going to mm. be pretty accurate. If you're in the middle of Mount Pleasant, Michigan, and, like, there's three vacation rentals, right. and, um, you know, just keep in mind that that data is probably not going to be very accurate, and I wouldn't expect to be, you know, within 20% of that. Right, and I think that, I mean, that really goes hand in hand with pricing a home to begin with. I mean, it goes, I mean, to sell. I mean, you, you look at comparables, and at the end of the day, it's not about those data points. It's not about maybe the SCV you see down there or the assessor's value, because at the end of the day, it's all about buyer behavior, what people are actually willing to spend for it. So Exactly. And when everybody had the, that government cheese, you know, mm -hmm. people were blowing it on vacations. Right. It was a great time to be on vacation rentals. Right, right. <laughs> All those stimulus checks. <laughs> um, I'm trying to think. So Hospitable is about 20 bucks a month per listing. Uh, Price Labs is going to be about $30 a month. And that's going to automate a lot of your vacation rental if you were to do it yourself. And, okay, let, let's just say this isn't your Airbnb that you're doing it for. Maybe you're managing it for somebody else. Mm -hmm. Is this something that you would charge them to pay for? Or is this something that would be out of pocket for you? So that would be an operating expense. So we... For our software, we pay roughly around $700 a month for it. Um, that's something that is just an expense to us. Okay. And 
you know, you kind of build it into your fees when you're charging clients, if that makes sense. Yeah. So it's just kind of something that gets indirectly passed off. Gotcha. Okay. So this next question is, is in depth too. So someone asked out there, like, what would be the cost of taxes and insurance to operate as an Airbnb? And what we were kind of talking about off air beforehand was how Michigan has the homestead taxes and the non-homestead taxes and how if you have a rental, chances are your taxes are going to be higher because it's supposed to be non-homestead by law. But what's what's your take on that? And you guys, they came up with some good questions. I know, I know you're not smart enough to think of these ones. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I'm just joking. <laughs> um, that's a great question. So, like you explained, I'm sure. I mean, you put out a ton of content on this on what you know the difference between homestead, non-homestead, and like if anybody ever has any questions about taxes, go to Andy for property taxes. He knows so much more than I do. Um, something to keep in mind with homestead and non-homestead is non-homestead, when you're not living in the property full-time, your taxes are going to be significantly more expensive. I mean, you would probably know, if you had to give a rough range on like a percentage, how much higher do you think it normally is? Yeah, I, it, it, just, it just differs so much, but I think I could say from example, so my house before I bought it was a rental. So mm -hmm. the taxes were non-homestead. I saw them on the listing that they were like 4500 bucks, maybe even higher than that. Uh, we're on a lake in Oakland County. And when we when we got our tax statement, it was around $3,200. So wow. it, 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 I've seen it jump 1000 1500 2000 sometimes. Okay. So maybe it could be, I mean, it could be 20% increase than what you're expecting to pay. Mm -hmm. So that's something definitely to keep in mind as you're buying a property because you're not going to be living in it full time. Right. I think another thing that people forget is, you know, when you're buying these homes, A, make sure you get the correct loan. I'm not going to dive into loans, but you cannot buy like a first time home buyer loan. You could not use that to buy a rental property if you're not living in it, right? I mean, you, you know a lot more, but make sure you're very aware of what loan you're using. Right. Um, just something to keep in mind. But then also like you, you get all those write-offs with a property. So when you're buying toilet paper, paper towel, you know, bedding bed frames, any of those things, you get to write off against that income. So at the end of the day, that's the great thing about real estate is if you're doing it correctly, you shouldn't have a giant tax bill from your income at the end of the year. Your property taxes are another you know, write off. Mm. Um, that's something that a lot of people don't think about because I mean, you, you think of a, a homeowner, you know, buy stuff. I mean, maybe Maybe the the fiance or something goes up to Home Goods and maxes yeah. the credit card. I mean, you, you can't all three of them. <laughs> you can't write that off on your taxes. But I mean, if it's for that Airbnb, that's a different story. It's a tax write off. Yep. Cool. Um, yep. I won't get into any tax strategies that may or may not be legal. <laughs> not tax. Not tax professionals. That's a disclaimer we're throwing out here. Yes. Do not follow any tax <laughs> advice you get during this video. <laughs> All right, so um, this... Do we answer all that question, I guess? Yeah, so taxes and insurance to operate as an Airbnb. Uh, that's really it. I know there, there's some fluctuations, so we know the homestead, non-homestead. Hmm. As far as insurance, um, what kind of insurance would you get for your Airbnb? Like, what, what would you say, how much would renter's insurance be? Do you need that? Is there a different insurance that you have to get? So uh, this is a mistake we see all the time with our owners. I mean... Every single owner that we've had has had the incorrect type of insurance. Now, there is a very specific type of insurance you need when you're doing an Airbnb. So if you just go get regular homeowner's insurance, it's not going to cover a vacation rental. 
So if, you know, God forbid that house burns down while a guest is there, and then the company finds out that you didn't have like home, the correct homeowner's insurance, they're not going to pay to replace your home. So one thing you really need to be aware of is making sure you're talking to your insurance agent and letting them know, hey, this is going to be a vacation rental. Do you offer vacation rental insurance? It's a little bit more expensive. I would say on average, it's about 10 to 20% more than homeowner's insurance, so it's not terrible. But if you don't have the correct plan, it could really, really get you in trouble. Gotcha. And so would you say the reason being is most people have lived in that house first, just have their typical homeowner's insurance, they move out, they don't even think twice about it? Correct. A lot of our homeowners, you know, it's their second home. They just have regular homeowner's insurance on it. They realize, hey, you know, we're only here three weeks a year. Why are we not letting this put some money in our pocket for the rest of the year? You know, here's somebody that's going to maintain the home and take care of everything. Why would we not do that? Okay, so hopping over to this next question, and this one's a very open-ended one, but is there a situation where you learned the hard way about running an Airbnb and just found it to be just an amazing learning experience and maybe somebody who's out there right now that hasn't been in Airbnb could use your experience as a learning one so they don't have to go through what you went through? I really hope Karen's not watching this video. <laughs> <I'm just> <laughs> <laughs> um, you know, yes. So vacation rentals, I mean, you're, you're letting people come into your home who are not familiar about it. And it's customer service at the end of the day, right? Mm -hmm. And with customer service becomes you need to be very aware of responding to people extremely quickly, making sure that you are satisfying their needs. Mm -hmm. And you get a lot of crazy things. Um, for example, like this happened three weeks ago. I was out to dinner with my girlfriend. We're, you know, we're enjoying a nice meal, pizza, right? Pizza comes out, boom, my phone rings. And I have this specific number for vacation rentals. When that number pops up, I know it's a guest that's probably in trouble. So I'm like, oh gosh, rip my pizza. Um, for 30 minutes, I spent on the phone with this guest trying to figure out why they couldn't get into the house. Turns out they were plugging the code in wrong, even though we had sent them the right code and everything. It was right in front of them. So I'm talking to this guest. I'm like, hey, did you plug in 4577? They're like, yeah, that's what we did. And they go to plug it in. They're like, 4572. For 30 minutes, I was on the phone trying to figure out why they couldn't get the door open because they couldn't put the right combination in. So Jeez. there's a ton of experiences like that. Um, it's customer service at the end of the day. It's part of the gig. You just got to be aware of this is what is going on. And do you find that it would make sense financially to offset that aspect of it? I mean, would you ever outsource like the customer service aspect to somebody else? Or is that just like an unnecessary expense in your opinion? Outsourcing customer service would be something that's extremely difficult because you know, when you think about it, who would you outsource outsource it to? You could hire a property management company. It's worth every single penny um, that you would pay because you don't have to deal with anything at that point if you hire the right property management company. Outsourcing it would be a little bit difficult because people don't know your home like you do, so they might not be able to answer all the weird questions that come along with your home. Is it? Was there any other real experiences that you had that you can remember off the top of your head where it was like? This is a learning experience. Maybe Airbnb is a little bit harder than people say it is. Oh, boy. You know, I tend to block those memories out. It's like I have PTSD. Like that <laughs> phone rings and I see that number. It's just like, like I don't want to answer that. Please don't, please don't make me answer that. <laughs> um, 
you know, all types of nightmares. I mean, from people checking in and the hot tub's absolutely disgusting and I gotta run over there and pump out all the water and change the water and add chemicals to, you know, people just absolutely trashing the home and then saying that's our fault and calling Airbnb and trying to get a refund. Uh, you do get a lot of refund hunters. So, you know, people will find the littlest things that are dirty or wrong with your home and then say, hey, I'm gonna leave you a one-star review if you don't refund me half my money. Well, what do you do? Because your reviews are everything in Airbnb. Mm -hmm. So I guess going right off of what you were talking about, I mean, do you find hardship in customer service aspect of Airbnb? Uh, just because with, with so many properties out there as competition, do you have this standard in your mind that you need to meet? Yes. Um, so customer service, right? Like responding instantly is one of the best things you could do for your vacation rental. If you're not responding in the first five minutes, chances are that guest has messaged three to four other homeowners and whoever responds first is going to get that booking. So if you're not responding for two, three, four hours, you're not going to get those bookings because people have already found a different home and a homeowner has already responded. So in our mind, we set the standard of a five minute response time and that's on average, right? So we don't expect to always respond within five minutes. You know, we're going to respond within 30 seconds for 60% of the messages you know, five minutes for the other 30%, but then it might be an hour for some of the 10% ones. Um, but our whole idea is if we can respond within those first five minutes, we're gonna secure more bookings, we're gonna have happier clients because we respond quickly, and it's customer service. People expect you to respond in a timely manner. And, and for those, those part-time people who invest in Airbnb, who maybe have the nine to five job, and people are just booking all hours of the day, like what would you recommend for them? Like is there a way to like throw out like a whole list of frequently asked questions or maybe have some automation in that sense or what's what's the deal with that, would you say? Yeah, I think actually Airbnb is a great model for people that um, are working a nine to five because everybody else in the world has a nine to five. So the majority of bookings usually come, from my experience, I would say about 90%, come after that 5 p.m. window. Gotcha. So a lot of the bookings are coming during the night, and actually the, the only ones that you need to have a really good response time for are inquiries. So people who are interested in booking your property have a question most likely, and then once you answer that question, they'll book. Okay. So you can do some automated messaging for that. However, you just get the most bizarre questions sometimes mm -hmm. that like, you can't, you can't, you can't automate what the, what some of these people come up with. Yeah. <laughs> all right, so hopping to this next question here, just to end it all off, what would be the number one piece of advice you'd give someone who wants to get into the Airbnb space, and realistically, what should these people expect? It's a great question. I would say somebody who's looking to get into the Airbnb space, you need to sit down and define your goals. You know, is this your second home that you want to come visit that you just want it to pay for itself and you just want to be hands off? Or is this something that you want to generate as much money as possible for yourself? That's the number one question in my mind because those are two very, very different approaches. So figuring out what your goals are for buying a vacation rental and why you're doing it. Is it to become more financially free or is it to have a vacation home that you and your family can enjoy that's free to you because others are paying for it? Now, the next thing I would say is start researching vacation rentals. Go find some podcasts, talk to people that are in the space and figure out, all right, what do I not know? What do I need to learn? You know, just learn some of the basics so that way you can make sure you're buying the correct property. Now, for example, hooking up with someone like you, 
to help them find the right vacation rental because Andrew doesn't know everything, right? However, Andrew knows the people that know everything. So when you have a question, if you're working with Andrew, he's gonna come to me and ask about vacation rentals. He already knows a lot of this stuff anyways because he's just a genius. <laughs> but when he doesn't know something, he's gonna come to me and ask it and then you're gonna indirectly get advice from people who are in the industry because Andrew knows them. So making sure you're working with the right people as well on your team to make sure that you're getting the best knowledge. So someone like Andrew who has all the connections in the world, that's the person you want to work with. That's that's fair. I'll take that. Hashtag sellout. <laughs> and just, I guess, touching more on that too, on the advice aspect of it. I mean, without going too in-depth, and I, th I think it kind of goes back to one of our first questions is, what should somebody who has no idea what they're doing, and depending on their their circumstance that you brought up, whether it's a second home, whether it's something that they want to enjoy with their family, mm -hmm. like what would be their parameters to get something, like to get a house? I mean, obviously your budget plays a huge role in it, mm -hmm. but I mean, like what should they look for? I would look for uniqueness, amenities, and location. Obviously, location matters. Um, you want to be. You can be almost anywhere with vacation rentals. However, you don't want to be on 150 acres in you know the most northern part of Michigan because not many people want to travel up there, right? So just be aware, as long as you're in a general vicinity of where people want to go, you're okay. But you just want to be aware of that. Um, I would say really just figure out what your budget is, where you want to be, what your goals are with it. And then from that point, get in connection with someone that can help you accomplish your goals and make it a win-win situation. Sounds good. And if, if anybody out there right now has questions or want to book your Airbnbs here in Michigan, mm -hmm. I mean, where would they go to do that? Yeah, you can check us out, uh, micasastays.com. That's M-I-C-A-S-A stays, S-T-A-Y-S.com. We've got a whole bunch of vacation rentals. Um, our business line is on there. You're gonna click one to talk to Jesse, who does all of our bookings. You're gonna, talk to, you're gonna click two to talk to me. Sounds good. Well, I appreciate having you on. Yeah. Thank you as always for listening to my podcast. If you would follow, subscribe, and leave a five-star review on the platform you listen to this on, I would greatly appreciate it. Stay tuned for the next episode.